Hey guys, welcome back to You Chat Too Much, episode three. Uh, welcome back. Thanks for listening and get your drink ready. Madge, how are you today? Yeah, doing all right. Um, nothing's happened since since last week. Been pretty bored at play, still in that lockdown. Can't do anything. I think the most excited I get is when I'm able to go to Tesco's and do my big shop, and that's about it. Um, but I mean, we had we had the final. England getting to the final with Italy in the Euros. Um, uh, excited. I mean, I only watched it from the semi-final, to be honest. So, um, exciting the fact that it brought the country together. Everyone believed it's coming home, um, wherever. But I didn't think the game was that interesting. It was It was a bit of a... It, 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 I think it deserved to be a draw. And then, obviously, I, I hate it when it goes to penalties. And with our history, um, yeah, I, didn't, I wasn't that confident. Uh, but what was disappointing was to see the racism. You know, like uh, it's it's bad it's bad to say, but it's it's the way I'd like kind of be programmed. Maybe it's just from experience. But hmm. throughout the tournament, when Raheem Sterling was doing so well, I kind of kind of in the back of my head, I was like, as soon as he has a bad game, everyone's mm-hmm. gonna get on him because he's a black player and they're gonna be racist. And the minute uh, Rashford misses penalty, I was like, man, social media is gonna kill him. Mm-hmm. Sancho second one and then Saka third one and I'm thinking all three guys are the black guys who missed it like mm-hmm. straight away as soon as those penalties were missed first thing I thought these guys are uh, people that, the racism is going to start coming out again you know um, but what I did like was that like the Marcus Rashford's mural uh, they got damaged and then how many people came covered it up positive messages yeah. completely changed it I thought that was I thought that was that was magic I thought that the power of the community to change something around. Even like when um, fans are booing at the start of the tournament, I think, I can't remember, I think it was one of the England games, fans started booing yeah. um, a small section of the crowd and then all the rest of the crowd started clapping and then just took over them. And I thought and, that was, uh, that's magic. So, yeah, I thought that I thought that was amazing. But it's really, really sad to see. Um, yeah, I, I mean, even, even a couple of people messaged me, which is... I think they said it as a joke. Where like they're like you should be like disgraced or embarrassed to be an English Englishman. Like, mm-hmm. and I was like, those those guys don't represent me. Like, it's it's a bit unfair for you to put us all in, under one one umbrella. But um, yeah, it's it is embarrassing, though, and it? it's it's sad that people can turn like that just over a game of football. You know, you're only kicking a, a, a little ball around, and that's how people react. Yeah, I, th- I think what's sad is you. There was a lot of things that you were expecting from that, like. <clears throat> besides the racism part that you mentioned there even the fact that we knew that the media was going to spin it and go oh Southgate's made the wrong decision or Greeley should have been on or all these different things that you know we all become or the media becomes very much the the actual expert on everything um, you know we made it to the final if somebody had said after our first or second game, especially after the Scotland game, nobody would have ever, ever thought that that was achievable. Um, and, you know, again, it, it should be that we, uh, we celebrate it more than um, discredit it or, or knock it. I mean, you know, something we know from school as well um, and from research is it takes three positive um, positive things to outweigh a negative experience. And I think, you know, the point you make about the Rashford mural and the clapping and, you know, we just need to make sure that we don't just, you know, do one good thing to outweigh the negative impact or, or the negative actions of like individuals, but we do like multiple things to then completely disregard it. And I think, I think that's something that we need to continue to do. Um, and I think, you know, we're going to try and do that in some of these episodes to open up these conversations. And I think today is is potentially going to be the start of it, where, we, where we're going to talk a little bit about culture and, and identity and what that means to us. And I think that's a, that's a good segue into it. Maz, you want to start us off? What are your thoughts on culture and identity? Yeah, I mean, before we start, um, this is something that, an episode that I really wanted to uh, do because I think uh, people don't understand sometimes the people who are 
from immigrant families or migrant families and uh, how culture and identity plays a massive role in, in and um, the reason why I wanted to put them together, although culture is separate and identity is separate, for me, when I processed this, which took me many, many years to work out, I felt culture and identity lent itself, lent itself uh, to each other. So um, before we kind of talk about that, I just kind of wanted to define what culture is so everyone kind of knew what we were talking about. So uh, culture is the characteristics and knowledge of a particular group of people encompassing in language, religion, cuisine, social habits, music and arts, and probably a little bit more as well. Uh, that was from lifescience.com. And identity is the individual characteristic by which a person or thing is recognized. And that's from Collins Dictionary. And I feel for me, I found it really, really difficult to uh, work out which culture I belong to. Um, and obviously me working out what culture I belong to made a massive impact on my identity. You know, I've always felt uh, I had to choose. I feel there's three main cultures that I have to choose from. Um, one is my Pakistani background. Both my parents are from Pakistan. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that I was born in England, Britain, lived there for the first 25 years of my life. I had that as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously being a Muslim as well, I had that Islamic uh, culture that I had to deal with. Um, and what I've always struggled with is that I could never fit into any of those boxes that people want to put me in. So I'll give you an example is something that I've always had to deal with my whole life is that people like, where are you from? You know, mm -hmm. um, not, not maybe, maybe when I was younger in the UK, but especially when I'm out internationally, like I don't, uh, people ask me like, where are you from? And then, but then it's like, yeah, I'm from England. I want to challenge them, but then you can tell from their facial expressions, or sometimes they actually ask you like, but yeah, where are you really? Where are you really from? I mean, where where mm -hmm. are you where are you, where are you originally from? And until I say, I always answer it like this as well. I said, my parents from Pakistan, and then only then are they are they satisfied? And for me. I always felt because of the racism that I received, um, because of the background that I came from, I've always felt like I had to justify to people why I'm British. I am like, full stop, I'm British now. I don't care what people say anymore. Mm -hmm. But it was like when I was at primary school, I've, I've talked about this before. I lived, uh, my school was predominantly Asian from all different backgrounds, um, hardly any white people. And then when I went into secondary school, college, uni, wherever, it was the other way around, you know? Um, so my world in primary school was that, and then I didn't really have to think about culture and identity at that point. But as soon as I went into secondary school, I was then being questioned about it. And I think there was one particular point uh, when 9-11 happened. 9-11 was a big one as well for, for me because um, people questioned, people blamed me for, for what happened mm -hmm. in 9-11 just because I was a Muslim. And up to that point, um, I just, I just followed my religion. Like, I just followed Islam because I was born into it. Parents yeah. brought me up as, as a Muslim. I just did what they asked me to do, really. Uh, I don't think I ever questioned my religion. I don't think I've ever questioned my, my belief in God. But it did start making me ask questions, which, which was a blessing in disguise because I think at some point you, you shouldn't follow a religion blind, you know? Like, you should, you should question it and find your own answers and, and it should make justification to yourself for you to follow it. Um, like my parents, for example, they were, so they, they came to England, I think, uh, late 70s, early 80s. I think in the 70s, I think they both came. Um, and they all they knew was Pakistani culture. And the thing is, with, with my, the area that I live in, the reason why it's so diverse is because everyone kind of wants to be in that same culture. Mm -hmm. So they all stick around with each other. So that's, so basically I got brought up Pakistani culture, like whatever you, like clothes, you know, music whatever language everything so um and it was okay up to a certain point um because it, all my friends were from that asian background so we were all getting broke the exact same way and like i said when i moved into secondary school that's when i had the the culture shock um so my parents really wanted me to identify myself as a pakistani and islamic culture but then i didn't want that like it, it, for example uh, i went to pakistan when i was 12 and 18 but I ne never at one point did I feel like I belonged there you know we had complete everything like the, even the, all the the culture itself um 
the mannerisms, the way they did things, like it was just so different to me. Um, so that was like a wake up call. And then I came back to England and I was like, well, if I don't fit there, why? And I don't fit in England, where do I exactly where do I fit? So this is where that, that kind of identity um, crisis has come along. And, and it's weird because my environment has always been British, but people don't accept me to be being British. You know, that's that's the way it was when I was growing up. And, and I got that mainly from the racism I received when I, when I was younger. We'll talk a little bit more about that in another episode. Mm-hmm. But at, at no point did anyone accept that I could blend these three different cultures. Um, still call myself British. Um, and I think that is what modern Britain is nowadays. Um, is what does it mean to be British nowadays, you know? Um, and I think it's important that modern Britain or the fact that now we have globalization, the fact that we can travel anywhere in the world, you can move and live into another country easily now. Jobs are all over the place. Um, I, you can't stop what's going on. So at one point, do, do, does, does a culture then identify you if you have to be in one particular culture? Can you not be in a mix of cultures? Could you be in a culture that doesn't belong to you, but you could you take things out of it that you really like. Um, and I think th- for, for us that live uh, in a world that is diverse, I think that's the best thing for humanity in it, really, in the end. Yeah, I think you, you hit on so many good points there, Madge. And it's, um, I think one thing initially that I take is, you know, it's, it's awful to hear that you didn't necessarily feel that you had, like, an identity, you know, I, I don't have that experience of like somebody saying, where are you from? And then given that like confused look as in like, really, you know, and it and I, I don't know when that when that finishes, like when does that? Well, first of all, is like, when is it that that um, that just necessarily isn't like a question or that obviously you might say, oh, where are you from? And especially in our background of as international teachers in our experience, everyone always asks like, oh, where are you from? Because, you know, we're all from so many different countries. But that kind of like, when you say, oh, I'm from England, uh, or I'm from Sheffield, you don't even say you're from England, you say, oh, I'm from Sheffield, if they know. And people go, oh, like, oh, really? Like, you know, and when does that stop? Does that stop after your like third, fourth, fifth generation? you know, that originally, like, you know, 1970, but we're now in, like, 20-whatever, you know? Or does that, or does that confusion ever, you know? I think, <coughs> I think the point you make about globalisation as well, you know, that's surely at a point where people are living in so many different countries um, and travelling so much more that, as much as you have identity, you have like such mixed culture and mixed diversity. You know, you have fusion of different, different countries, different nationalities, different religions that actually then your identity is more of just like a, more of just a personal thing as well. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, just to answer a couple of the points that you, that you made or questions that you asked was, I think for me, the moment I decided that um, my identity was what it is, was I, th- I think it was a mindset change. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a moment when someone accepted me. It wasn't a moment that someone said, oh, you're, you're finally British or I did something that made me feel British. No, I think, it was, I think it, was a, it was a journey that I had to go on to kind of work out where I belong. And uh, just to point out, I think this is where the divide happens as well. You know, like in my area that I talk about in Sheffield, um, people make the decision to live in that area because it's just familiar with them. So they're not accepted anywhere else. So they, they live in that one area. Uh, but then that's where the divide happens. So mm-hmm. they're in their comfort zones. They don't want to mingle into the other cultures, probably because they're not accepted in the other culture. And then pe- the society outside of those areas don't want to come into that culture because it's all weird to them or it's all different to them. And mm-hmm. they, they have some stereotypical views. So there needs to be that, that integration. And I think that's what happened with me was I was one of those that did leave the area. Like the fact that my college and university that I left, I went into a, a more predominantly white environment. I actually went out and sought what if, and, uh, sorry, worked out what it felt like to be British just from different people, 
having conversations and learning about different people. But it doesn't generally work the other way around, and that's where the problem may lie. I think I think the point, um, the thing you say there about um, like you accepting it is is admirable, but is also like not everybody's going to be going to have that confidence. Not everybody will have that. Um, I don't know that chance, that ability necessarily to be like, oh, I'm going to make the mindset and I'm going to do this. And I think, I think when you say like, you know, it, it happens one way, not the other. You know what you're saying is, you know, well, first of all, you're you're a trailblazer in a sense that you go out there and and you you help to like mix and and you help to uh, kind of help to blend those cultures, but not not everybody is so that's the difficulty but then you what you're saying also is people from um what you would say is like a british identity don't then mix with uh people who are pakistani identity is that what you're saying there like it's not coming from that side and it probably is but it's not something that people are actively doing Mm -hmm. so i'm hoping that people who listen to this podcast who may not have an idea or about what I'm talking about Mm -hmm. and it then makes them think of a different perspective that maybe there is an opportunity where you can mingle in with different people from different backgrounds I think I think we need to clarify that everyone's British here that's what I believe everyone's British Mm -hmm. so it's not like I'm talking about people I'm talking about people who live outside the area there's a reason why there's a divide there's people that live in that one particular area and the people that live outside the area why are we not mingling in together because at one point they were when I was growing up um, there were mainly mainly all the shops in that in the center was owned by white people, but then slowly, slowly, they left um, because the, the area become uh, predominantly became more Asian. Um, and then now, when you look at it, there's hardly any shops open. The shops that are open are mainly like low end, like barbers, um, grocery shops, you know, the pound shops, betting shops. Mm-hmm. There's not much like where the butchers and you got the people who got the ind- independent businesses like they used to have. So the whole area just looks glum. Uh, I, I, remembered, I remember the point that I wanted to make was that one of the things I actively do, and this is something I, everyone does, and I used to do it, but I stopped doing it, and I, I'd advise people to stop doing it as well, is stop asking people where they're from. Because mm. the, if you think about it deep down, when you meet someone within that first five minutes, generally, and I used to do it, is that you ask, where, oh, where are you from? Like, it's an accent or it's, it's, it's something about them that's like, and it, it plays on your mind, doesn't it? it? Like you feel really uncomfortable. Like I need to find out, you need to find out where they're from. Or, mm-hmm. And as soon as you find out, it's like you've just relieved that itch in your head. And, and But what, what you have done without thinking about it, this is where that unbiased uh, view comes from, is that you just basically put someone in a box because that's what your brain wants. It's like, I need to work out where that person is and, and, uh, without even unconsciously thinking about it, when I do get that answer, oh, he's from here, he's from Sheffield, or he's from, he's from here, or he's from Britain. And what, what happens is un, un, uh, unconsciously and that unbiased um, stereotype is that you start, yeah, you start having these stereotypical views. So one thing I don't do now is I don't ask people where they're from and I don't ask people how old they are. It's one of the most common questions that get asked in that first five minutes. Um, and even then, people come and ask me like, "Where's that guy from?" And or you just be chatting him, chatting to him for thirty minutes. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, why don't you know? It doesn't really matter, does it? I think I think we're all prone to that. I've, I'm definitely prone to that. Um, you know, I, I I like to ask questions and find out people's kind of story. I mean, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes uh, you know, it's that thing of like trying to delve in and and. You know, oh, where are you from? Like, oh, how old are you? What do you do? You know, how long you've been teaching? And and you you question everything. And I think you make a valid point. It's like, what are we doing? You know, and and I had this conversation with a uh, with a family member recently about we were actually talking about the different boxes when it comes to gender, and and we were talking about how is you know male, female, other, or rather not say or and it, even when you put like a rather not say, you're still putting yourself into a box, you know, even if you say other and then you don't write anything, it's it's still a box. And, you know, a, 
I think at some point in one of these episodes, we're going to talk a little bit about jobs and interviews and, you know, and our opinions on, on that as well. And that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing as well, that if you're going to tick British or when you tick white or when you tick, you know, religion, I'm going to tick Christian or Muslim is like, what, what is that leading to as well? And then, like you said, you're, you're building up a, a viewpoint there. Um, yeah, I think when, when you, yeah. when you, when you do fill out, like, I think if you, if you take that, what you're saying uh, in a, in a practical manner, like in the, in the sense that you're ticking those boxes in your head, that's one thing. But I mean, if you're ticking those boxes on, on a form, what are they doing with that? They're just creating statistics, they're creating data, they're creating a way to put you in a, in a certain box to see every time I, I say I'm British, but then it'll say, what race are you? And I have to type it, I have to tick in either Asian or, or I have to do Asian. I can't remember, it's been, it was so many years since I've done one, but I have to put Pakistani background. And I was like, why do you need to put me in that box? Mm-hmm. Um, are, we all, are we all just British? Like, but obviously later on when they fiddle around with, the, with the, the data and the statistics, they can say that this, this percentage is this and this percentage is that, and then they can say they've had an impact on this and that. Um, and that comes a lot in schools as well. Um, we'll mm-hmm. talk. Let's not just go into that, but it's schools is one as well where they where they do where they do something like that. I mean, I've I've, I've gone on about the my struggles. How about you? I know you you got um you've got a different background as well, haven't you? I mean, I, I've definitely got less less struggle <laughs> like what you well, what you're talking about here. But is it, but more for me is identity of like that. I'm you know that I'm really proud of is is that my dad's. Irish, um, born in Dublin, so Republic of Ireland, Southern Ireland. And as a as a kid, I was I was really happy to to be the one kid, or or mostly, um, especially in my local primary school, a little bit different when I went to high school. But as as not having an English or British passport, you know, I quite liked that idea that I had a different passport. And it was only up until um i mean since i came to it four years ago that i even got a uh, british passport um and i had to be i had to be uh, interviewed for it i went up to luton and it was it was like a bit of an experience as it were just to they were confused as to why i hadn't had one but you know i was i was very proud to have an irish passport i always i've always had one i've had it renewed and you know i will always keep it and it's something that i would want uh my children to have access to um just as just to kind of be a part of something i think why why did you decide to switch to a british passport and not keep an irish one? um it was actually more of a practicality thing um i think from what i i remember there was two sides of it. one in terms of my irish one was coming to an end um I didn't have loads of years left on it and I, I was starting to fill up the pages. When I was in Egypt, Egypt's visa was like, you know, it felt like three pages was taken up every time you entered sometimes. So um, I didn't have loads of pages left. Um, so I needed a new one. Um, and I knew that Malaysia and a lot of Asia because of colonization was actually a British passport was actually quite a good thing um, because in, cert- in a lot of countries ac- around Asia, you don't have to have a visa, whereas for Ireland, you do. And these are such minor things and total, you know, um, very much first world problems, real privilege to be able to like dip in and out of countries with or without a visa. But for the, for our, in our, you know, situation, to pay or not pay $25 for a visa, actually, you know, I'd rather not pay it. So it was, it was more of just the thing of, of that. And also then why not? I have a British one if I, if I you know, have that uh, privilege to have one. So, yeah. You said earlier that you, you felt, no, not, not in a really bad way, but you were forced to have an Irish passport. Do you, do you think that was fair? Do you think, do you think that, uh, why do you think your dad made made you keep an Irish passport? Yeah, um, I don't think I don't necessarily think I was like maybe it's the wrong word. I don't think I was forced. It was just a, you know, as a kid, 
it was like, do you want English or Irish? And and I was just so proud to like whatever like dad wanted. I was like, oh yeah, I want an Irish passport. Um, you know, and I, I only ever traveled as a kid. I only really ever traveled around the UK and into Europe. So, you know, you're not really, uh, the, the idea of like visas or anything like that wasn't an issue. So yeah, I was really happy to have an Irish one. Um, you know, as a kid, I don't know how much of a joke it was or not, but I was never allowed an England shirt uh, in the house. I don't know whether that really was a thing, but I never really, I never really minded to be honest. I, I liked the fact that I had something, you know, maybe something that not everybody did or some, you know, something to be really proud of. Um, and that's not to say I wasn't, you know, proud to be, to be English or to be British um it's just something just something there i think is quite cool to have so did you just a final question did you what did you identify yourself as and with a but some people might think that your passport is your identity um or some people might think where you have been brought up like for i always think for me my mum and dad both spent their formative years in pakistan when they came to the uk they got a british passport and I always wonder, I think, I think, I don't know. I think my dad would probably identify himself as still as Pakistani because he's quite proud of his heritage. Mm-hmm. But my mum doesn't really go back. I think she's been back once since she left. And all the family's in the UK. So she spent, I think she came over when she was 12. And she spent the rest of her life in England. So mm-hmm. I think she would probably identify herself as British. So like the same question goes to you. You had an Irish passport. Mm-hmm. You then moved to a British passport. Did you ever have any problems with your identity there? I think one thing I'd say is I think there's a lot to be said about like where you're born is often initially how you might identify yourself or, you know, how you might identify yourself. In our, in our again, with our experience, we have a lot of people that might have children in different countries and might only be there for, you know, a year or two years and then they even move back to like home their home and their kit and their you know new child comes with them or they move to another country and that's that's something that's another area where how do you identify for me i was born in the uk um and actually my irish passport said that that i was born in the uk um and i'm very proud to say i'm half irish but when it comes to and, and i you know i've done this a lot for job applications you kind of have to put down that you are British um, because that's kind of where you were born despite the fact it's an Irish passport it you kind of I think I could quite easily put both but I will often put British and I also feel like sometimes there's an element of if I was to be in a room and this comes down to you know when you're talking about culture and language is that if I stood next to somebody who was from born and bred in Dublin and there's me, I don't want to kind of like, uh, like kind of jump on that as in, oh, you know, I'm there as well, but like, I haven't lived there. I haven't experienced it. I didn't grow up there or I wasn't schooled there. So I can appreciate the Irish culture and I can appreciate my Irish heritage. I'm really proud of that, but I wouldn't necessarily identify myself as it. Um, I just want to be able to keep the fact that like, you know, I have that heritage from from my dad's side and, and from, you know, family that are there still. I think you bring up a good point. I think for me, when I when I listened to you um, and I just remember this as I was listening to you, it was I think the moment I realised or accepted that, you know what, I'm, I am British and I don't care what anyone else says, was that what's been the biggest influence on me when I've been growing up? You know, I made a list of things like what I've taken from Pakistani culture, what I've taken from British culture, what I've taken for, from the Islamic culture. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the things are intertwined. But when I look at it, like you got, I said, clothes, music, TV, language, sense of humour, which is massive for me, sports, mm-hmm. uh, the fact that we're open-minded compared to other other countries that are, or other cultures that are narrow-minded. Mm-hmm. I, I thought like if there was one culture that shaped me as a person, it's the British culture, and that's mm-hmm. that's when I accepted. You know what? That's why when I went to Pakistan, I couldn't I couldn't resonate with them. I couldn't link with them because, like, you guys have been brought up a different way. Like, 
whatever the way you think, whatever you do, even though our color skin colors are the same, um, it's just it's just completely different. So yeah, that's how I worked out where where I, where I fall into identity. The point that you make as well about open mindedness is, I think, is really good with um, British culture because that's open as a as a country where you know I'm sure that we're not completely amazing but there are certain things where we show a lot of open-mindedness but that's not only just British culture that's in accepting other cultures into it as well so we are still like a melting pot of like American like the more because you said sense of humor we get like you know comedians from America that we watch on TV like friends like we grew up watching that and that's that's a melting pot as well of of different cultures so you don't necessarily get that if you grew up in China, potentially, because there are more restrictions on those things. So, you know, that that's a, a little two pence I added. So do you want to talk about third culture kids match? Because I think we were we were nearly going to talk about that with one of our points that we were we were talking about do you want to start off talking about third culture kids and what that means to you i think this is more familiar with people um who are who are out in, internationally um and maybe people who do live in the uk or who are belong to one country don't really know this term but let me just give you a, a brief like definition of it third culture kids is a term co- coined by u.s sociologist ruth hill Usim in the 1950s for children who spend their formative years in places that are not their parents' homeland. And globalization has made third culture kids more common. And the reason why I kind of wanted to bring it up is obviously, it seems like I keep mentioning my kids nearly every episode, but um, my kids now, I'm British, my wife is Malaysian. Uh, we speak English at home. Our culture is probably more British than it is Malaysian. Um, it's more Western anyway. Um, the people that we surround ourselves usually are, are Western or British. So my my worry or my thing that I think about a lot is one of the things is me is a selfish is it a selfish decision that I've made bringing up my kids in a different country where they might struggle later on about their identity. So for example, one of the things I can always say is Sheffield is my home because I spent 25 years there, and whenever I go back. I've still got childhood friends. I've still got childhood memories. When I go back, I always show my wife or, or I'll show my kids, oh, this is where I did this, this is where I did that, this is where we played World Cup finals every single day, 6 p.m., you know, in the evening. Um, and it's like stories, because I've got, I've got an identity, I've got stories that belong to one particular place. If, and I probably will be bringing my kids up in an international scene where we will be moving a lot, like every three, four, five years, generally people move. They don't have that. They don't have that place that they can call themselves home. And, and again, that's something that I've like toiled with um, when I did move abroad because um, what, what is home? Like, does it have to be a physical space? Uh, even when we move to a different country, we're there for three, four years, for example, we call that home for, the, for that particular amount of time. And then we move to a different one and we call that home. Um, for me, I'm not really bothered about the culture that they're going to adopt. Like, for example, my wife's, Malaysian, but she's Tamil Malaysian, Indian Malaysian. So there's that culture there. There's a Malaysian culture. You've got the British culture. You've got the Islamic culture. You've got the Pakistani heritage culture that comes from me. Like my kids will have four, five, six different cultures that they're going to have to deal with. Will they have similar problems to me with trying to identify which culture they belong to? I mean, for me, obviously from this conversation, um, I think it's the more cultures you adopt, the more cultures that you belong to, is better for the world, but I, I wonder how that's going to affect the idea. I mean, what's the benefit of quote unquote home? Like, what's the benefit of having that? I don't know. I just think it just it gives you a sense of belonging. I think. I think that's what I think that's what people would say is that like we talked about this before. Is if anything went wrong for me here, I could always go back home. Like we always say home, right? I'm going back home. Mm-hmm. Right, so there is that there is that physical space there, where my kids, if if everything goes well and I'm moving around, where is home for them? Where's that physical space? I mean, for me, the way I look at it, I think one of the major benefits is, and it's come from globalization, is the fact that 
anywhere can be home for them. Like the fact they know how to mingle in to different countries. They know how to set up a life from scratch when they go to a new country. They know how to learn a language, how to adopt a new culture, um, because they'll be doing that from a young age. But I wonder if that will have an effect on them when they get older. Um, like I had identity crisis. I wonder if they will. But I think one of the ways that I'm going to get around that is by just making sure that there's a lot of conversation going on when that confusion does happen um, and kind of talking them through it. And hopefully, um, like we usually do as teachers, we most of the kids, not most of the kids, but some of the kids are third culture kids themselves, right? But they're probably not aware of it. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think home, home's an interesting one because I kind of often see home as like where you're, where your original house is but then that doesn't or where you have a home like where you know if you buy a home somewhere which is yours that might be seen as home or I suppose the other side of it is where your family is so where your extended family is and from you know your point your um, other half's point of view is her home is Malaysia because her extended family is here so your little ones will be able to say that you know, they have a home in Malaysia and they have a home in Sheffield, potentially. But I think as well, like, you know, you talk about uh, all of the different cultures that might be around us. So, you know, say you have Malaysian culture, you have Indian Malaysian culture. Maybe if you move to the Middle East and you have like, you know, Middle Eastern culture or move somewhere in Europe, you might have like Italian culture. But at the end of the day, it's like, that culture is shaped by you or by us as parents or whoever as parents. And then you would also have most likely multiple cultures, even if you were at home, if you went back home to Sheffield, because you would, you know, your other half would still be there. You would still be there. Your family and friends would still be there and new friends you know, an Italian family moved next to you, you're then going to kind of share that culture as well. So, you know, I think I think you make some interesting points there, but I also think it, it comes down to a lot of the time, it comes down to you as parents to shape that culture and that experience. And then I think that's that's the positive journey kids will go on is finding uh, finding themselves. Like you made, <laughs> you made joke of, in our in our previous episode but it is that thing of like you will allow them to go on trips and travel and you will allow them to experience sorts of things and then that's how they find their identity you'd much rather have your children do that than be forced into a box because they've gone to a a private school in Sheffield as an example you know? Yeah, I think you make some good points there as well. Like I didn't consider that, um, but yeah, I think the I, one one thing that I've got comfortable with, I always like, and it's a bit of a corny like quote, but it it doesn't matter where you are, because home is where the heart is, and and I think that's where you feel comfortable. Uh, so, like we said, why does home have to be where home is? Because most people feel comfortable in that place. That's why people don't leave. England or they don't leave a certain area because that's where home is that's where com- where the comfort is but like for me like now I've always said in my head that I'm always going to come back to Sheffield but I don't know if I will like I, I think there's a plan of me going back to the UK but I'm pretty flexible of going to different places in the UK I don't have to go to Sheffield um, maybe that's what might happen but I think when when we say that home is where the heart is and if, if we bring up the kids right especially in a third culture kid if their home is the world so they can fit in anywhere and and by having that they are more accepting of different cultures we have this less problem of racism and and you know uh, we have more diversity we have more acceptance it doesn't matter where you're from it means that they have the skills to settle in uh, wherever they want to because they've done it before I mean the only thing that kind of worries me uh, which I kind of see with some students that teachers is how lonely they can become. So mm-hmm. friendship does become an issue. Like I, at least I have my friends from different phases of my life that, that are still there. So whenever I go back, they're still there. You know, I can still chat to them and, and we still talk now. But 
I think when you're constantly moving around and every two, three, four years you're moving, you can't really build meaningful relationships. So I think that's one thing that you have to be aware of is, and generally what I've seen from other kids is that they are quite lonely. But having said that, they, the ones who do succeed in that are quite comfortable in being lonely. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the benefits from that, and I think if, you, if you're wanting to travel and you're wanting to live abroad, is that you now have connections all over the world. That's one thing that I think my friendship since I left, when I, when I left in 2012 to, uh, to now, is all my friends now are scattered all over the world. And I think that's brilliant. I think the fact that I can go anywhere I want on a holiday because I know that they're there. And, and the fact that we can uh, communicate through social media doesn't mean that we feel that far away, you know? Yeah, I think, I, I think that's what I love about it. And I think that's what I would, if I was a, if I was a, a kid growing up in that situation, I think that's, that's the positive. I mean, my, my very first experience of what I would link to third culture kids was, you know, my very first high school that I taught at, there was a lot of, a lot of kids that were, um, were from a military background. And they're in, you know, similar to us in terms of moving to different country. They might be moving to different countries, but also they might not be just moving to countries, just different towns or different cities. And obviously, you know, as well, like, you know, each city across the UK has their own, um, you know, diversity, culture, um, different way of living so I kind of saw that similar to what you've described is you know I saw two sides I saw some students who were so confident with mixing with a crowd of people that they didn't know they were quite open they were they were very exposed to diversity they were very willing to just like talk to anybody and then I would sometimes see some kids who struggle to kind of know who they were you know, like, oh, where are you from? Like, what team do you support? And they were just like, oh, like, I don't know what team to support because they were never kind of in a place for long enough, you know. And the reason I say team to support is we can recognise that, you know, you you often support a football team that's like your hometown and that's your hometown team, apart from some people who move around a little bit or maybe have a, a connection, a family connection with somewhere else. So, that that sense of identity was was huge but you know i think there's positives and negatives you know you you grow up in you grow up in a place you know you grow up in leeds and you never leave leeds and you might live on in a little cul-de-sac where there's just like you and six or seven other families and that's all you experience that might be quite insular or you have the you know uh, or you have the benefit of being able to live somewhere different every, you know, four to ten years, and you experience so much more. Um, you know, there's there's always going to be positives and negatives, but I think a lot of that responsibility um, falls down to then the parents of of kind of how you how you do things, and you know, you guys will be great at that, and hopefully, hopefully, I'll be okay at it when it comes around, if it comes around. Um, this is one question I want to ask you, Joe, um, and it's something that I noticed the first the first time I came back to the UK, and then I think I worked it out on the third time what it was, was that do you ever feel weird going back to the UK after you have been living abroad? So when you have decided to move abroad, but then you come back for the summer holidays, do you ever feel weird? Yeah, I think I think the first time I came back from Egypt, I uh, came back at the came back at the Christmas. Um, so I've only been away for, you know, a matter of like 12 weeks or so. And I just wanted to tell everybody about it. And I kind of felt like, you know, a lot of my really good friends, they were really happy for me. And then other, other friends were like a little bit like, all right, like you, you sound like you're bragging a little bit. Um, and I think throughout that very first year, I, I kind of found that like I was diluting some of my experiences because it just sounded so amazing. And I was coming back and I was like, oh, like, you know, you can do this in Egypt or you can do this when you're abroad. Um, but I, th- I think also what I found was for some people, 
things hadn't changed. So when I came back, I would feel that I'd been away for one, two, three years, but then I would come back and nothing's changed. Like it's still the same guy in the sandwich shop that I would go to. It's still the same shops on the high street. It's still, some people are just doing the same jobs, which is comforting. But also then sometimes like you can then feel like, oh, you know, it feels weird that I've been away. Um, from my point of view, I feel that like home is home and that's what I love about it. And home doesn't change too much. My friendship group, I think are, you know, a lot of my friendship group have either moved away or are living abroad or traveling or are just absolutely killing it living here and are doing really well. They're really successful. Um, and I get a lot of motivation from that, like, you know, just people doing well. It doesn't matter where you are. If you're doing well at your job, whatever you do, that's that's quite inspiring to me anyway. So, you know, I think it's different. And I think when you when you have really good friends, they will, you know, want to hear about what you're doing abroad or how things are going. But if you're all doing well, then it, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's just the people, I suppose, or friendships, and those maybe aren't strong friendships that want to kind of shut down you know, your achievements if you're flying around and, and doing lots of things. And I think that's something maybe that I figured out quite quickly is who were like my really good friends and who were just like those people that were there on nights out or there while we were socialising and stuff like. And uh, just just realised I didn't need to kind of speak to those ones as much. What about you? When I went back, I think initially, I went back after two years of, after leaving. And when I came, I was so excited to come back, you know, like really, really excited to come back home. And then as soon as I got back, I was just so confused. I had this feeling, I just didn't know what, I didn't know how to put it into words. I didn't, couldn't explain it to someone. And I just, I just went through that whole holiday, just feeling the same. So then the second time, the same. So then ever since then, until COVID, I've been coming back every summer. Uh, and it was only like the, the third time I think I came back when I, realize what it was very similar to you i don't really say anything about my experiences abroad mm-hmm. um i keep quiet not not like on but if it, it's one of those things if it comes up in conversation i'll say something but i'm not going to brag about it uh, uh, there's not there's not like much to brag about really it's just a different lifestyle it still works work and you know it's it's just weather's probably different um but what what yeah, generally when you meet with old friends, you just go through old stories about, oh, I remember when you did this when you were young and you did that and all that. That's what generally happens. And because I've got like loads of different groups of friends, I spend a lot of my time moving around those groups and get uh, going for a meal and wherever. And that was quite like, I was so busy when I went back. So that's something that I've taken a step back from, similar to what you're saying about friendship and spending more time with my family. But I think when I finally realized what it was it was mentally I have done so much in terms of doing something but also in terms of growing up like I'm completely in a different mental space to when I left Sheffield and when I return people are still doing the same jobs houses look exactly the same the development so slow it just looks exactly the same so mentally I'm in a completely different place and sometimes physically as well Uh, and then these guys are still in that slow grinding it day, day, day in, day out. And that's what, that's when I clicked onto when, what it was, it was like, I was in a completely different space when these guys were not. And I remember when, I think one of the first times I did go back and I said, I said to someone like, someone asked me, like, how, how does it feel to come back? And I said, it feels weird. It feels that I've been away for two years, but then after two days, I feel like I've never left. And she was like, oh, that must be a great feeling, the fact that whenever you do decide to come back, you can always just, just mingle in and, and carry on where mm-hmm. it left. I said, no. I said, I've, there's so much that's happened since then, so much growing up that I've done that I, I'm not the same person anymore. So it just feels that, that those, those two years that I've spent abroad has gone to a waste. And the fact that I can just come back and be the same person as I was when I left because I've still got the same friends, this place looks exactly the same. Yeah. But inside of me, I've completely changed. And I think... I think one of the things that people will realize about me, and maybe even through the podcast, with if I've got friends who are listening to it, is that they'll they'll know from the way I'm talking now is I've completely changed and I've grown up a lot, and that that's exactly what's happened. 
something just to add on that last whole point as well is somebody made an interesting comment to me uh, when I came back and it was the it was the fact that they kind of didn't realize or they they knew I'd obviously been away for a long time but they were so up to date with what I was doing and that was through social media which is like a real positive sometimes but also like that's also where maybe you might have that separation sometimes of like I've got loads to tell you and then people are like but I know everything because there are a lot of things that we do put on social media like stages in your life like I mean obviously you'd put on social media like information about the birth of your children so people do know you obviously then want to tell these people but they already know and that's like now old news they're like oh they're like four months old I don't you know it's not a newborn you know so that's sometimes can be like a positive or negative but no thanks so much for talking to me today that match another good episode um completed I think there's a lot yeah let, let's lot finish talk about. let's finish there I think um I think that was that was my favorite episode so far I think we we said at the start when we did this podcast that we want to show people that we are from different backgrounds, but this conversation needs to happen. And I hope, hopefully, we've offered different perspectives. Quite, quite a lot that we've gone through actually today. Uh, we had to do it, and we've probably gone over time a little bit. But I think with important topics like this, it's important to you know to talk about, and hopefully, it offers offers a different perspective. Thanks for listening, everyone. All right, see you on the next one. Take care. Congratulations on making it this far. Um, it was a long episode, wasn't it? Um, I just want to apologise um, for the lag in the internet. I think Joe's farm is still run by a windmill, so there was a lot of lag on his side. Um, and apologies for a long um, episode today. Just wanted to let you know that I am going to add some links at the bottom at the details with some more information about Third Culture Kids. So if there's Anything you want to learn about that, it'll be there for you. Okay, see you soon. Bye.